Well, hello there. I'm Jim Harrington, and it's another day. And I'm Bill Knight. Hope you had a great weekend, sir. Had a great weekend. Uh, actually, did did a lot of nothing. Just sort of hung around the yard, mowed the lawn, you know, manicured the property so it looked just right, you know? Just right, just yeah. in case somebody drives by, looks at the place, and goes, wow. That guy really takes care of his property. Yeah, but they never, they, they never do that. They just no. they just drive by, you know? They <laughs> just drive by. They don't even wave anymore. You know, I'd like to meet the guy who, in, who invented the, uh, the lawnmower. All of a sudden, you know, back in the 1800s, 1860, 1870, you yeah. didn't see people out mowing their lawn. You got what you got. First of all, well, you had of, goats. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. They had, as a matter of fact, in the White House... They had a whole herd of sheep, and yeah. and the sheep took care of the the manicuring of the property. And they did a darn good. They job, sure too. did, and they were cheaper too, actually. Yeah, and then if you, you got, just had, you had to watch your step, but yeah, you know. that's true. But then, then if you got sick of uh, one of the sheep, if one of the sheep were were giving you a hard time, you could eat it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> anyway, um, what happened to Fluffy the sheep? Uh-huh. Did you enjoy your lamb last night? <laughs> <laughs> Fluffy the sheep. Hey, um, interesting thing. Uh, Tucker Carlson had a great monologue on Friday night. Yeah, I cut up a couple of pieces of it, but I wanted to play him and then an interesting follow-up. Okay, uh, All right. this is Tucker uh, from his Friday night show. He's talking about the military industrial complex. Every year since the 1970s, the State Department has published a document called World Military Expenditures and Arms Transfers. You probably haven't read it, but it is interesting. It's a detailed accounting of global arms sales, what weapons were sold and where they wound up after they were. The U.S. government published this report in the interest of transparency and then continued to publish it through multiple politically charged scandals and conflicts. That would include through Iran-Contra, two separate wars in Iraq, and all 20 years that we occupied Afghanistan. A report like this would be especially useful to have right now, maybe critical to have, as the Biden administration sends billions in high-tech military equipment every month to corrupt oligarchs in Eastern Europe. Where are all of those weapons systems going? We should know the answer to that, but we don't know. Because this year, for the very first time in half a century, the Biden administration has stopped releasing that information. They never explained why they stopped. They just stopped, and no one pushed them. Now, you'd think this would be a scandal. If there's one thing the news media exists to do, it's to fight for the release of relevant government records. Because in a democracy, you have a right to know what is being done in your name, but not anymore. That information is classified, Mr. Citizen. So you don't get to find out where those billions of dollars of weapons that you're paying for are going. Who's getting them? What are they doing with them? You don't get to know. You don't get to learn about anything. About Ashley Biden sharing with her father. You can get arrested for that. You don't get to know how many FBI assets were in the crowd on January 6th and what they were doing. As we just noted, you don't get to read the affidavit justifying the FBI's indefensible raid on the home of Joe Biden's primary political opponent. In fact, you don't even get to know why you're not allowed to know, because that information has been redacted, too. What are you, a Russian agent? Stop asking. So for decades, we were told where the the, the money that we were giving the foreign countries in, in military aid, where they were going. You know, how much we, you know, if we were spending like... $750 billion in Afghanistan. Well, right. it went for this, 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 and this. All of a sudden, they've stopped doing that. 
But, you know, did people pay attention to where the money went when they were told, or did they kind of wean us off of that information and then it's gone? Well, even if they didn't pay attention, the the mere fact that it was available. But the fact, yeah, the fact that it was available was important, and now it's gone. And, you know, I found this piece, and we were talking about this before the show. It's kind of a famous uh, piece. Eisenhower. Yeah, Dwight David Eisenhower. But this is from 1961, his farewell speech. And some people may say, well, he's talking about the military. What does this guy know? Because a lot of young people don't know history. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. Well, this guy was the Supreme Allied Commander of the European Theater. He was the general that ran all the generals, all the military, all the military, including the British, in the European theater, even, theater during World War II. Even when he was in as president, he yeah. was still because he was such a highly regarded military person, he was General Eisenhower. Yes. Yeah, he happened to be the president. He was General Eisenhower before Ooh. he was President Eisenhower. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right. But he said something very interesting here, very prophetic. This is from his farewell speech in 1961. Listen. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. That's 1961. He's talking about the military-industrial complex, and mm-hmm. he seemed to be saying it was kind of new back then, but yeah. uh, it was very real. Well, that because was because we years had ago. a machine that had so much power, and he's saying, "Hey, you got to have this machine, but you got to keep a, you got to keep a lid on it. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it under wraps." And uh, you know what he's talking about uh, that. You can't let, well, what's happening now? There's control of power, you know, where you got it with the FBI, you've got it with the military, you got everything that's going on. It's, it's, uh, this is what's happening now is exactly what he was warning against. Exactly right. And uh, it's very real, but you know, we, we kind of think of it as not being, it's a conspiracy theory. That's what a lot of people think. Oh, the military-industrial complex. You sound like you're a, a QAnon person or something. There is a military-industrial complex. There is a segment in our society that makes billions of dollars on war. I mean, when we're not at war, when we're at peace, they're losing money. That's mm-hmm. why 
they're delighted, I'm sure, with what's happening in the Ukraine. You go all the way back to World War I. Uh, you look at what's going on. There was a profit reason for going to war. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when you were in financial disarray, a war will sit there and it will create money to your economy that you could not believe. It happened in World War I. Happened in World War Two. Absolutely. And right now, we are priming the gun, man. We're just sitting there. We're right now. We're sitting there. We've got the powder in the cannon. It's ready to fire. Why do you think companies like Ford completely retrofitted their factories to make airplanes and tanks? Mattel made the machine gun. Yeah. You they, think you, they made so much money, so much profit on the things of war? Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford not to do it. John Deere, McCormick, all of them. Yep. They sit there, and uh, that was one of the things. I worked in Iowa for a while. You know, on radio, you move around, you know. Uh, you, you take a, a, a bite-me-over job, you know, until you get something else. I ended up in Waterloo, Iowa. I was, how in the hell did I end isn't up Isn't that here? the home of John Deere, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. And I, I got a lot of good friends that uh, you know, worked in those, those plants right there. And I was in one of the original buildings that, yeah, we rolled out, uh, and they were telling me the tanks they rolled out of that place. Oh, sure. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. Oh, we were the war machine here. There was a little company in Butler, Pennsylvania. There was a, yeah, they were, there cheap. was a, there was a bid out for, they wanted a, a, a an all you kind of a utility vehicle that was inexpensive to make and easy to ship. And they put bids out to all the major companies, uh, GM, Ford, mm -hmm. all of them. This little company up in Butler, PA, designed this this rectangular little car that you could put into a crate. You could take mm -hmm. the wheels off, put it into a crate, put the wind the windshield down, take the steering wheel off, and you could box it up. And you could put tons of these things on ships, and and they can make them faster than you could imagine. And it was called the Willys Company. Yeah. Yeah. And they made the first Jeep. It's still a great little car. If you have one. Yeah. Um, my dad loved his Jeep when he was over in World War II. He had a Jeep. Uh, it, was, it was shelled. <laughs> He's, he, he, uh, my dad was over, I think I told you, in uh, yeah. the Battle of the Bulge. But uh, he had this nice little Jeep, and he had my brother's uh, baby shoes hanging on the windshield. Right. And he said, oh, they were, they were great. I, they were my good luck piece. He got out to go get something or to talk to somebody, and, and it was it was shelled. So that was the end of those shoes. But yeah. uh, he loved his Jeep. A yeah, lot of guys. the Jeep. Lost the shoes. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you could get another Jeep. They, they were yeah. coming over every day. Uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, about the military-industrial complex, and again, that goes to secrecy. Mm -hmm. That goes to secrecy because most people don't acknowledge it. Most people aren't aware that there really is a military-industrial complex, part of our sub-government, and they have a lot of influence as to what goes on in the halls of uh, Congress, etc. Yeah. Uh, Tucker talked about secrecy on his uh, monologue on, on Friday, too. Listen. So it turns out, looking back 18 months, the 2020 election was the most consequential election of our lifetimes. You assumed Joe Biden was incapacitated and couldn't change much. Well, true, he is incapacitated, but the people behind him most definitely are not. 
They are more ideological and more aggressive than ever. Now it turns out among those people is our largest and most heavily armed federal law enforcement agency, that would be the FBI. The FBI is not allowed to insert itself into domestic politics. That would violate the US Constitution. It is completely illegal. But for several years, it has become increasingly clear that that is exactly what the FBI is doing, actively working on behalf of the Democratic Party, mocking the rule of law, subverting our democracy from within, far more effectively than any foreign government ever could. If that sounds like an overheated claim, and it definitely does sound like an overheated claim, unfortunately, you should know, it's entirely true. We know that for a fact. Here's how we know, and we learned it yesterday. Weeks before the 2020 election, the FBI pressured social media companies to kill the story of Hunter Biden's laptop. Why? Because that was a story that might have prevented Joe Biden from becoming president. That happened. And we know this not because the New York Times investigated it. They didn't bother. They didn't bring you a special report in yesterday's paper giving you the details. The New York Times would never do that, even if they knew it to be true, and they may. No. We know this instead because Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook blithely admitted it, almost parenthetically, during an interview with Joe Rogan. There was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York yeah, we Post. Have too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of, um, uh, of that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Oh, so Zuckerberg. Just to be clear, you just saw it, but let's just unwind what we saw. Zuckerberg was asked, "Why did you censor?" the story about Hunter Biden's laptop. And he said, some folks from the FBI came to us and indicated there was about to be a dump of Russian propaganda. Now, there's some rewriting of history going on in which some are claiming, some at Facebook are claiming actually, that the visit from the FBI had nothing to do with the Hunter Biden laptop. But the answer you just saw was in response to a question about the laptop and the censorship of it. And the answer was Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation. Neither of those terms has an agreed upon meaning. They don't actually mean anything. What's Russian propaganda? Is it true? That should be the only question that any news or information company, including Facebook, ever asks. Is it true? Truth is the defense. No, it's Russian propaganda. Again, a term without a meaning. So we wanted to know more. We reached out to Mark Zuckerberg after that interview, and he responded to us to his credit. Zuckerberg confirmed that the FBI didn't put any of these warnings about Russian disinformation or propaganda in writing. Oh, well, of course they didn't. <laughs> Nothing in writing. And that makes sense. If you're the FBI, you wouldn't want to put that in writing because you were, of course, lying. At the moment the FBI was warning Facebook about a propaganda dump, that obviously would include Hunter Biden's laptop, they had Hunter Biden's laptop in their possession. So they knew perfectly well it was authentic, as anyone who looks at it does. We have looked at it, and it's instantly obvious this is real. And of course, we now know conclusively it is real. So that laptop was not censored because it was propaganda, whatever that means. And by the way, the FBI should never be in the information control business anyway. It was censored because it might hurt Joe Biden. And the FBI is the government agency 
that pushed for it to be censored. Has that ever happened in the United States, ever? That is the definition of police state behavior. A government agency independently decides it's going to determine the outcome of a supposedly democratic election. So we have a government letter agency working on behalf of one party. That's right. And you know what? The interesting thing is, did it affect the election? They thought it would. And by God, the numbers show that uh, people that said, well, yeah, I did vote for Biden. Not saying that he actually won and it wasn't further stolen. But what they're saying is they would have never voted for him had they known this. And that is election interference. And that is reason right there in, in another country. That's interference by the government. Uh, that's a coup. Yeah. And that means that government is taken down and overthrown and you go into military law. That's a secret, quiet coup. That is a secret, quiet coup. And, you know, just the mere fact that the FBI went to Facebook, there's intimidation there. There's intimidation. They said they were doing it to inform, to, oh. in, you know. But when you're from the FBI, you get a knock on the door from the FBI. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're you, me, or Mark Zuckerberg. You're intimidated. You're you're concerned. Do you understand the power that a, a single FBI agent wields? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I've told the story before. Good friends of mine when... You know, uh, I won't say his name, but he was a border agent before he was an FBI agent. He wanted to go to the FBI. And one of the thing is, uh, things that he did when he got into the FBI is he was in that banking loan thing back in 2008. But either way, we used to go to Kennywood. You know, right. his wife and him and my wife at the time and I would we'd go to Kennywood. And we were there one night. We closed it down and we were leaving. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, we're, we're out of the parking lot. I lost it. What? I lost it. What'd you lose? My, my badge, my credentials. My wow. And I said, you can get a new one. He goes, do you realize the paperwork I got to go through? I'm sitting there going, well, I'm sure it's happened before. He goes, anybody finds that they flash that they were never there. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. he had a license to kill. We had to go back into the park. And it, it turned out, we, you know, the racing coasters sure. we were on those, the, the red and blue one. We were on that, and it went out of his pocket somehow, which kind of stupid of him that he didn't have it secured. But either way, you know, we, we were dumbfounded. We walked up close to midnight at this one booth, and this lady goes, you looking for something? Well, yeah, we are. Kind of special? Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> the relief yeah. on his face when she said, yeah, one of the groundskeepers there found this and said, Somebody's going to be disturbed when they come looking for this. But, you know, you're right. You flash that badge anywhere, anywhere. It opens doors. It gets people to talk to you. People sit up, pay attention to what you're saying. All these things, because of that silly, that little badge you have. And unlike the movies, you know, the sheriff, yeah. the police, they just go, they just do a little salute. They walk away because uh, either they or you were never there. You know, when you walk away, you walk away. I think they've lost some of their respect. As a matter of fact, from the polls uh, on the FBI, based upon the Mar-a-Lago and a few other things, 
their poll, their popularity right now is diminished significantly, and they're not thought of like they were thought of a year ago. Yeah, you know, they, there's a TV show. There are actually three of them on CBS, right. FBI, FBI Most Wanted, and FBI International. Three major programs on CBS, and I was thinking when I saw the promos for it yesterday afternoon when I was watching football, I wonder if, if the diminished reputation of the FBI is going to bleed over to those TV programs because they were popular. Well, they have to. They have to reflect American culture uh, for them to work. So they probably will. I would say the FBI, number one, it's, it's got to be, it, the cancer's got to be rid out of it. It's got to be overhauled and it's, it's got to be done. They do Some need people are calling power. for a complete etch-a-sketch, meaning you, you start over again. Well, you might have to. I mean, they for what they're supposed to do, yeah, they do need the power that we talked about because it, I can see the importance of it. But when you have people that are taking advantage of that power, telling lies, fabricating stories for political consequences that they should not be involved in, yeah. you got a problem. What we're seeing is an agency that is working in secrecy for one side and, uh, Back in 1961 also, you know, we had a mm -hmm. piece from Dwight Eisenhower, his farewell. His successor, John Kennedy, was speaking right. in front of the press at the Waldorf Astoria in April of 1961, and he was talking about secrecy. And again, another prophetic speech. Listen very carefully to what he's saying here. The very All word right. secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. 
Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. No president should fear public scrutiny of his program. For from that scrutiny comes understanding, and from that understanding comes support or opposition, and both are necessary. I am not asking your newspapers to support an administration, but I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. For I have complete confidence in the response and dedication of our citizens whenever they are fully informed. I not only could not stifle controversy among your readers, I welcome it. This administration intends to be candid about its errors. For as a wise man once said, an error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We intend to accept full responsibility for our errors, and we expect you to point them out when we miss them. Without debate, without criticism, no administration and no country can succeed, and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. And that is why our press was protected by the First Amendment, the only business in America specifically protected by the Constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. This means greater coverage and analysis of international news, for it is no longer far away and foreign, but close at hand and local. It means greater attention to improved understanding of the news, as well as improved transmission. And it means, finally, that government at all levels must meet its obligation to provide you with the fullest possible information outside the narrowest limits of national security. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. So what has changed since 1961, I'll tell you. The Democratic Party has changed since 1961. That was the Democratic candidate for president in 1960. That was the Democratic president, John F. Kennedy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he sounded more like Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump than Joe Biden. Yeah, he did. Or he does. because. But what happened to him? See what it got him? Well, that's, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah, a tacky point, but it is a good point. But look you what's know, happening with Trump, and you have to wonder. Like uh, we heard uh, Bernie Carrick say, the former police commissioner of New York, he's very concerned about uh, former President Trump's health and well-being because he's in a very dangerous situation. He's a target from the deep state. Yeah, he is. And, you know, it's amazing how the the media, you know, is controlled, goes right along with it. Look at the odds of... Uh, Remember the old cartoon strip, Blondie and Dagwood? Sure, yeah. All right, 
and how stupid they were. Well, they that's what they do to Trump. Everything is his fault. Anything he does, they take and make him a cartoon. Yeah. And they make it a cartoon because if they can malign this guy, and of course, you know, the little the little foot soldiers out there that are marching to uh their every every word. Yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah, what a piece of crap he is. Well, nobody nobody is that bad. So, you know, and you know that. I know that, and they know it too. But it's you know it's and it's gonna them. get worse between now and November, Bill. Big you time. Know, the, the 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 story with Mar-a-Lago and what happened there, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the uh, the redacted um, the warrant that, uh, that ridiculous they redacted warrant. Yeah, yeah, it was. But well, they say you know, well, the Republicans are silent now because the facts are there. Oh. Uh, that was, but yeah, it was, oh, but there's the damning word, but. That's it. It was the most ridiculous thing. If I went page after page, it was line after line of black lined out, uh, uh, lined out uh, affidavit. It was ridiculous. Well, let's take a top secret classified document. Number one, if you classify something top secret, if it's that top, 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 top secret, he's not going to be able to take it out of the White House. And if he did have nuclear stuff, which everyone thought, oh, he's got a bomb at Maryland. Wait a second. No, we forget one very important thing. He was the president of the United States of America, and he had the ultimate say as to what was secret or not. He, at a moment's notice, could instantaneously say, that's declassified. That's all he had to say. That was the point that I was going to get to. The simple fact is, though, you're right. He can declassify that. But if it was something of national security, they didn't have to wait months and months and months on end. Oh, yeah. The paperwork, uh, the paperwork they were shown, they've seen it. And that's that. They waited two now, years. They waited two years. Now we got to come back. Well, you know, this is top secret stuff. Nancy's sitting there going, I can't tell you what it is because it, it's secret. Yeah, it's a secret. You know, what are you doing? Playing hide and go, see- hide and go seek? With something that's not there, this is crap. With the thing about him being able to just say, this is declassified. He can. There's one rogue Republican there. I think it's uh, Mike Turner going, well, there is no paper trail. Oh, gee, Mike, does that mean that he has to get uh, permission from the Democrats to declassify? Does he need a mommy's note? Well, first of all, we have to remember there's a ton of people in the Republican Party who are more closely aligned with the Democrats than they are with traditional uh, conservative Republicans. Exactly. And it's that's just not going to change. I'm talking about the uh, Mitt Romneys, the uh, Roy Blunts, the Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams. These people are chameleon. They will look sometimes like they are conservative, but when it benefits them to be more aligned with the Democrats, they will do just that. That's what we have right now in Washington. Yeah, and isn't it kind of wishy-washy how they're do- handling this? Well, the president, you know, even Biden in his little speech the other day, oh, yeah, I declassified everything. He just declassified them all. Well, I just want to know I've declassified everything in the world. I'm president. I can do it all. Come on. Declassified everything. I'm not going to comment. I mean, I don't know the detail. I don't even want to know. I'll let the Justice Department take care of it. Is he a smart aleck or what? I mean, seriously. That was a smart-ass response. Yeah. 
uh, I'm not even going to comment. Hey, stupid! You yeah. just did. Yeah, yeah. You just opened your big. <laughs> that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> so, Biden, STFU. Well, you know what that means, Mr. Biden. And I know there's somebody in D.C. that sits there and monitor. A lot of the shows get monitored. We yeah, are on the monitor list. You know what? Defend yourself, Biden. We'll gladly put you. I got to play mic. that for you one more time. If people oh, weren't paying no, attention, no, no, no. I want that you to boils my blood. I want you to hear. This is. Your president. Could he have just declassified them all? Well, I just want to know I've declassified everything in the world. I'm president. I can do it all. Come on. Declassified everything. I'm not going to comment on because I don't know the detail. I don't even want to know. Let's, uh, you know, first of all, Mr. President, you don't seem to understand what power you really do have. You are the president of the United States. And when it comes to United States secrets, yes, you can de- declassify anything you want. He knows what power that he has. Sometimes, yeah, he is, he's, he's old, but sometimes I think he plays the card. He knows the exact power he has. The Democrats know the exact power that he has. He's playing you, the American people, as a fool, and he's making a joke out of, out of it. And he's lied his whole life, and he lied right there. Well, I didn't know. I don't have any knowledge. I, you know, all this. Yeah. Boy, you know what? That, that's the biggest lie in the world. You know, I don't recall, I don't recollect, I don't have any knowledge. The three telltales of a liar. By the way, you know, he also called us, uh, uh, and I say us, he called every person who was a fan of MAGA, which most people realize is nothing more than believing in the fundamentals of the United States. Make America great again. That's what MAGA means, and that's what the people stand for. He called us on Friday during that gym, half a gymnasium speech. You know, they, they cordoned off half a gymnasium at a high school. They packed it with a bunch of paid people, and uh, they made it look like a rally. This is the audio that was played from that rally in, uh, in Maryland. All right. Okay. He said the guy was yelling, he stole it. He stole it, guys. And here's the last part that a lot of people didn't hear. Okay, one more right. time. Did you hear that? One more Look, time. Listen. Yeah, one more time. He's a pedophile, too. One more time. That's what the guy screamed. He's a pedophile, a pedophile, too. <laughs> You're a pedophile, too, yeah. yeah. And you know what? They, they, the news doesn't talk about it. They don't. And, and yet, look. You've seen him tongue-kissing his granddaughter on stage. His granddaughter. Mm. I'm sorry, but if that was my daughter and Grandpa came up and planted a tongue-kiss on her, Grandpa would be in the grave two seconds later. I've never seen anything like that in my whole life. and And he showered with his daughter. And how do we know it's true? Well, gee... She did, uh, she did a diary, and it yep. was in there saying this was inappropriate. And, you know, that's where you I think? go to Jill. Yeah. yeah. It is definitely. Jill, what kind of help? What kind of mother are you? Mm. I don't care how much you love the guy. Well, they were getting off the airplane yesterday, I believe, uh, and or they were getting on the airplane. I'm not really sure, but they were at the foot of the ramp, uh, the stairs, and he walked, tripped them. he walked over to the press. Literally, you know that that classic handshake where he's shaking hands with an invisible yeah. person. He went over and started doing that in front of the press, right up to him. 
with his hand out like he was shaking hands with the invisible man. And yep. Jill came over and pulled him from b- behind. He is She's a, his handler. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot, I think a lot of the decisions are made are her. Uh, you know, th- that's not a that's not a love. There is a relationship there, but it's mm-hmm. a political relationship. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon, who was a former advisor to President Trump, has his own program called The War Room. He yes, had he some interesting things to say about the redacted affidavit. Listen. And I got to tell you, I think what Jack Posobiec said, defilement. I've been calling it ransacking, but I think it's a defilement. And they did it on purpose to, to say, hey, it's a flex. But I got to tell you, I think that they've gone up in, in far as anger and just disgust. Ten levels about this this charade today where the DOJ is going to do it, the FBI is going to do it, and the White House is going to do it. And then when they're ordered by a court to release it, they redact everything that comes out. It's obviously a massive cover-up that's going to make water. It's going to dwarf Watergate. It's going to dwarf Watergate because now you have a national security state that's turned itself not simply on the American people, but a president of the United States. This is, but we are rapidly going into banana republic territory. Never in my life have I seen our country act like it's acting now. So let me ask you a question. Let's say that it becomes unrefutable and the mainstream media has got to go, you know what, guys, we can't cover this anymore. We can't even believe it because we're libtards too mm-hmm. what, what happens when we admit that we've stepped and slipped on our own banana you know we've, we've slipped into the abyss because we're a banana country i was listening to a talk show this morning be, before this show started gee is it one where i'm staying right now yeah it's it's that one there up in boston yeah. in beantown again one of the callers called and said you know i've been talking to friends in different places. And this guy was calling from, I believe, Huntsville, Alabama. And he said, I'm hearing the, the words civil war used again. Civil war. This is scary stuff. This is something that should never be taken lightly, friends, because if you studied the civil war like I have in my life, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen like a light switch. It happens. Oh, it boils. I mean, Slow boil. And, and history will tell you, Bill, well, you know, it started with the, with the Battle of Manassas or Bull Run. No, no. It started be long before that. Harper's Ferry and places like that. There was a gradual build into this crisis situation that we had between 1861 and 1865. And some people would say, that we're repeating history right now, that we're in that period again. And one of the defining things will be November. If the Democrats steal the election again, and some people think that they're... I think it's already in the works. Yeah. I think I think civil war is coming, not because of the people that say, you know what, you keep stepping on my foot, and I'm going to knock you the hell out. Mm-hmm. I think the Democrats are trying to... And when I say Democrats, I say that... I really, because I have no other way of saying it. You know, if you're a Democrat listening, I'm not picking on you, but I am picking on Pelosi, Schumer, you know, the whole the crew leaders of your Biden, party, the, the leaders, leaders of yeah. your party that really aren't Democrats. They're they're socialists. They're a, yeah, they're socialist in Democrat clothing. Just yeah. so you understand, but they want the civil war because then 
It's not a steal anymore. It's a protection of our democracy is under siege. You did it. You're absolutely correct. We're not picking on the average ordinary Democrat. I mean, I come from a family of them. They're good people, hardworking people. Many of them don't really pay a lot of attention to politics day to day like a lot of us do because, well, some of us are retired for the most part, but and we have the time to do it. Other people are out there nine to five doing their job and, and going about their lives. And it will come as a surprise to them someday, God forbid, please don't let it happen, that uh, if we ever get into a situation where there is civil unrest, because they're not looking at the news. They hear no. they hear little snippets, bits and pieces. Some of them think, oh, boy, that Trump, he, he says too much, or I don't like his tweets, or yeah, maybe Trump caused that. No, no. If you really pay attention, he is probably the more traditional president that within we've had in years. Donald Trump, as much as you may not like him, he believed in American values and American prosperity. He was, or he is, he's not a politician, and there's a difference between you, me, a politician, and he's in the same boat. He's just, yeah, yeah he, might, he might have been born with money into money, you know, but he developed his own money, earned his own money. But the simple fact is, he's lived the American dream. He's created money, created wealth, created wealth for other people. He's not a politician. Right. And that's where his problem is, is he didn't fit into that little snake pit that we've, it's not a little snake pit, it's a big, it's a big snake pit. You know, he comes from an interesting New York family. His uncle, John Trump has a history that's interesting. He was involved in the government too. And as a matter of fact, I believe the story goes that when Nikola Tesla died at mm-hmm. the New Yorker hotel in the early, early 1940s, he was part of the group that went into the New Yorker and got all of his documents and all of his private, uh, Uh, writings and things like that and squirreled them away in a secret place so that they couldn't be stolen because they were so critically important to our nation. There's more to Donald Trump's story than just Donald Trump. And his family taught him traditional values. Yeah, he likes the gold this and he likes the fancy airplanes and jets, but people call him the blue-collar billionaire because he's the kind of guy that could enjoy all those things, and then he would go over to his job sites and he'd go up to the 50th floor of an open skyscraper and he'd put on a hard hat and he'd have in, an interesting conversation with his his laborers. The, guy, the guys loved him. He, Donald Trump would come up in the elevator. He'd walk over to them. How you doing, guys? Everything okay? Do you need anything? How's it going? He there's could relate. Story, there's story after story where he's gone to people yeah, I got a, I, I, my, my daughter's got a, you know, my granddaughter's got this mm-hmm. terminal thing. He would sit there, people in need, he'd help them out. But you don't hear about it. They don't want to tell you about that in the news because, oh, that would paint a picture that Joe couldn't live up to. Right. You know, or any, any of their candidates because they don't give a crap about you, me, or anybody but themselves. At least he realized that I got to have people. Was he a shrewd businessman? Hell yeah, he was. You want to make it in business, you got to be savvy and shrewd. They're trying to make it out as if the Mar-a-Lago raid was justified and that they had a right to do what they did. But a it was for- illegal. It yeah, was illegal. Well, former law clerk for uh, Justice Gorsuch, 
His name is Mike Davis. He's an attorney, and he was a former constitutional law clerk. Uh, He really laid out the reasons why it was unconstitutional. Listen to this. Yeah, so this affidavit, heavily redacted affidavit, uh, it it, it further evidences that this uh, this home raid on President Trump was unprecedented, it was unnecessary, and it was unlawful. And again, what I've been saying since August 8th, the president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat at the National Archives to do that. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of the Navy versus Egan. So there goes the underlying potential charge for espionage that's in this, uh, that was in this warrant. Second point, the president has the sole statutory authority to make the determination whether a record is a personal record that belongs to him or a presidential record that goes to the bureaucrats at the National Archives and then get, almost certainly gets sent back to the president to put in his former library, the former president's library, and that is confirmed by a 2012 decision by an Obama judge related to Judicial Watch and Tom Fenton's lawsuits against President Clinton related to eight years of audio tapes in his sock drawer. So what is left? They're looking at obstruction. Well, it is legally impossible for a former president to obstruct investigations into non-crimes, but the Justice Department did not have the power to even look at these crimes because it doesn't matter what the evidence shows in this affidavit, David, no matter what that evidence shows, as a matter of law, it is legally impossible for President Trump to have committed espionage uh, espionage, or to have violated some presidential records act. The Presidential Records Act actually contemplates that former presidents have classified records. It doesn't differentiate. Congress gives former presidents office space, secure office space. They give the former president's staff security clearance and secret service protection to guard these paper records and there's no allegation that any of these records got into the wrong hands unlike Hillary Clinton's home server where she had foreign governments hack the most highly classified secrets in our government and she didn't get an FBI raid so what was so urgent that that caused the Biden Justice Department to go get these records and I think it's because President Trump declassified and made personal a copy of the his copy of the crossfire hurricane records the Russian collusion records records and the the Biden Justice Department never made them public because they're so damning on Obama, Hillary, Clinton, the FBI and the intel community. You know, if you're wondering whether the media is uh, out to deliver one narrative, even Fox, I I edited it out, but that audio came from Fox in uh, an interview with John Roberts who was very quiet, but Sandra Smith who obviously wasn't listening to Mike Davis's answer because she had to interject at a point in this discussion. Well, what mm-hmm. right does he have to take those things? I mean, he just explained exactly why he had the right to do what he did. And then she had to interject like, well, did he really have the right to take those classified documents? I mean, it was like, are you listening to what you Well, does she really know what her job is as a journalist? And if you're going to ask a question, you better know what the answer is perceived to be because you should know it. Sandra Smith really was more interested in scoring a point with her boss, I think, than listening to what her guest was saying. Her guest 
had answered the question that she had to interject at the end. And it was like, he even looked at her like, Hey, are you listening to what I just said? It uh, legally is impossible for him to have done what they're saying he did. Well, the one thing that they've done with this story, they've created a mess and it's a mess. Now it's got to run its course in the courts because they created it. And I think they knew that it was illegal what they were doing but they wanted to get it out there so they could create all this hype, all this fodder that's not true and muddy these waters. Now, because now it's got to run its course in the legal system. Why? Who gains from it? Well, they gain well, from it. There it, you go. It, this was done because it's coming up on the elections. Yeah. This would have been called the October surprise if they could have done it in October with more as much lead time, but they don't have that much time. August to November, they got plenty of time to sell it. Well, it's not working out for them. No, it's not. And that's the whole thing. You know, people are going, wait a minute. The, the Zuckerberg thing is taking off. Uh, the Biden, uh, the loan thing, that's a whole different debacle out there because people are pissed. Wait a minute. I paid off my debt. And they're attacking Republicans there. They're attacking, attacking Rubio. And a lot of them, they're going, oh, Rubio, you had student debt that was forgiven. Uh, he goes, yeah, I wrote a book. Yeah, you got an advance of $100,000 paid off your student loan. There's a difference between, you know, Biden kissing everybody's ass to say, oh, you know what? I'll pay off this. It's a pittance, but I'll pay this off. It's a, it's a vote grab. What's interesting there. is... Merrick Garland will get up on a stage and he'll look to the uh, press and to the cameras and they'll talk about being fair and just, and he wouldn't do anything to uh, violate the law. And he turns around and he does exactly the opposite. He is probably the most criminal of uh, attorney generals I've ever seen in my lifetime. That's just Absolutely. my opinion. But uh, Steve Bannon went off on the Justice Department also on Friday. Listen. With the fight over the librarians, all the stuff on the records and the human intel and all this, why did you take his diplomatic passport? Why did you go into other areas that had nothing to do with documents? Why did you go through all Mar-a-Lago? But oh, answer the question. He's mistake. the president of the United States. Why did you take the head to call back to D.C.? Who authorized that? Who authorized? Because in taking the passport, it shows you're on a fishing expedition. Everything you put in there is a lie and spin. And if those guys, and they put it down now to the FBI and the Justice Department, everybody in that chain of command, you're going to be investigated, you're going to be litigated, and you're going to be incarcerated. We're not going to stop till you're in prison. We're not going, MAGA is not going to allow this country to devolve into a banana republic like you want it to be. And today shows you how gutless you are, what coward you are and how you think you're going to hide behind the New York Times and the New York Times goes an editorial, I'll be criminally prosecuted? No. You, New York Times, are going to be criminally prosecuted. We're going to play smash mouth hardball. We are absolutely sick and tired of this. We're going to run the tables on November 8th and then in a new Congress, we're going to cut all the money and then we're going to start having the investigation. This is an outrage to this nation on the global stage and if you had one leg to stand on, you would have put 40, you would not have redacted three quarters of this thing today. You're 
You're an absolute disgust, disgusting. You've humiliated this nation. You've humiliated every generation of patriots that have fought for the rule of law. And I got to tell you, everybody in the FBI, I don't want to hear any more. They got good soldiers at the foot. You must come forward in the DOJ, in the FBI. You must be whistleblowers today. I don't want to hear this thing. Oh, it's just at the top. It's not at the top. It's systemic throughout the whole place. The good people got a chance to come forward and they should be coming forward right now on this debacle and embarrassment of what happened, the defilement and the ransacking of mar lago He says something, and I disagree with him. He says we have to run the uh, the table on November 8th, and I just don't know whether that's going to happen. I'm not as confident. It can, it, it can happen if we are an honest country with an honest election. I just don't think that the people who stole in 2020 aren't going to do the same thing in 2022. They've done it on several tiers. Obviously, Zuckerberg, you know, showed what the FBI did and the and what happened there, the suppression of news, that that one thing alone would have prevented Biden from getting in. But then there was the stuffing of the ballot box. Uh, it just goes on and on I mean, and on. The, yes, it, the, there's the machines, there's the stuffing of the ballot boxes. You add it all up. And I and they've had no consequences. They've gone right. for two years, and we've had movies about how they did it. We explained exactly scientifically how it was done. We had audits in Arizona, massive audits. We Everybody expected something to happen as soon as the audits ended in Arizona, something that was significant, and nothing happened in Arizona. So let me tell you, in November, what's to stop these same people from saying, hey, listen, we've, we've refined the system. We can steal it better now. We know yeah. what they're going to look at when all is but, said and done. But, you know, if Steve Bannon, because I sit there and go, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this and this. Yeah, if we get the power. But then, you know, thinking back, he's got to say that. We've got to say that. And every other talk show's got to say that. And we got to get everybody saying that. Because you've got to get verbal, too, and say, this is what we're going to do to you. Because it's going to do two things. If they see us united saying the same thing, and this is what we're going to do to you, it's a coming, buddy. Either they're going to stumble and make a mistake, they're going to trip over their own their own feet, you know, yeah. or at least we lay the groundwork to where it's going to be hard to carry off that steel. We've got to get united and make our voices heard. Maybe that's so what Bannon. Maybe that's what Bannon is talking about. Maybe what Bannon figures is that. If we overwhelm the system with votes, if we just swamp them with votes, they just won't have enough time and enough people to steal it. Well, I think it's twofold. I think it's your voice, but your voice doesn't go to the poll and vote. And I would say don't trust the mail-ins because the mail-ins proved those mail-ins that dropped in overnight we're 96.9% in favor of Joe Biden statistically, mathematically, theoretically, every other way you can say it, impossible. The probability is not there. The impossibility is there. So if you take it to the ballot or to the uh, take it and drop it off, you may as well just hold it into the shape of a plane, <laughs> light the tail on fire. Yeah. And throw it into the wind and watch it burn up on its way to wherever it's going. Biden believes, you know, as the days and weeks progress, Biden believes more and more that he actually won it. 
He said Friday in that uh, rally, we got 81 million votes. He no more got 81 million votes than I've walked on the moon, okay? It hasn't happened, but he believes it because people tell him, you got 81 million votes, Joe. No, he didn't get 81 million votes. I'd be willing to bet uh, he'd be hard-pressed to get 50 million votes. He'd be hard-pressed to get 40 million votes. That's my opinion, but he believes it, and he calls us, you and I, the MAGA people, he calls us fascist. He said that at the uh, Friday rally. He called us fascist. What he's calling is half of the population of this country fascist. No president has ever turned to half the population and labeled them criminal, essentially, which is what Biden did. You know, the interesting thing is, and it doesn't matter how many registered Democrats or Republicans there are, because the numbers are the numbers. And with that said, you look at the 2020 election, and the amount of votes that we got, if you add them all up, there's 154 million votes out there, or something to that staggering number. But it doesn't correlate with the population growth from, oh, I don't know, 2016, 2012, 2008. You know, everything grows, the amount of votes grow with the population. All of a sudden, we had this staggering number that didn't match the growth, which was in in line with every other election getting back to civil unrest yeah if they steal it and it's obvious in november i really believe at that point there will be a problem not to not to everybody maybe not to you and i but i think there is going to be a problem I think there will be a a lot of people who will feel disenfranchised. They will feel as if their country is being stolen. And that's Uh, going to be an issue. You you know where, well, obviously, we talked about it last week, where I'm visiting this week up in Boston right now. And, you know, so I've been here since Friday and, you know, gone out to dinner and met with friends and whatnot and family. The interesting thing is, though, and it's not that some of the friends that I met with are necessarily you know, Republican or Democrat, but the consensus is in this Democrat state that we were screwed with that last election. We're screwed with what's going on. In other words, what I'm saying is what is going on in government and politics right now is not reflected by the people in this state. They're on our page. A lot of people believe that uh, there were shenanigans big time in Massachusetts What's interesting is for a state that is blue, and I put that in quotation marks, uh, during the primaries, they voted to not allow the illegals to get licensed. Actually, they voted to put it on the ballot for a vote. That's exactly what they did in Massachusetts. So instead of the legislators, the people of the state house in Massachusetts just passing an edict saying, you know, the illegals who come to the state can get a license, a driver's license. Now the people will have a say as to whether they can or they can't in their state. But I think some of the people here, if they don't start seeing that they get what they're saying they want, because I think they're talking amongst themselves, and that's just a, a gut feeling that I get, that there could be a surprise going on here, because I think that the, the blue governments here is just like the blue government that's down in D.C., they're going to do what they want. We're going to do what they tell us to do. And that's just the way it's going to be. But some and people I'm, will tell you that there's never been a more corrupt Democratic machine 
in the country than that machine that is centered in Boston. Yeah. You heard about James Michael Curley, who was the uh, former governor of, right. uh, of Massachusetts. Absolutely. Or was he yeah. the mayor of Boston? Was, I think he was both, actually. But anyway, the point is, and people will correct us, that's okay. It's neither here nor there. But during the uh, the, the Depression, uh, he had they had a, 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 a program where he would have workers who were unemployed put sidewalks in Boston Common. They would lay these elaborate, beautiful sidewalks in Boston Common, take forever to do it, and then when they were done, the next step would be to tear up all the sidewalks in Boston Common, and then he'd have them do it again. He kept them constantly working. The people loved him, right? But you know, right. you know, it was a corrupt thing to be doing. I mean, no, yeah. ma- no matter whether you liked the what he was doing or not, uh, the guy was uh, he was bending the rules. I think he was the only guy ever to be reelected while he was in prison. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I know, you know, and, and you know, Massachusetts. I sometimes you want to bend those rules to be a good guy and help out. Mm. Uh, sometimes, you know, it, it's good things. Sometimes it's a bad thing. You got to be careful what you do. And especially nowadays, because if you're a conservative and you do something like that, no matter how good your heart is, you're in trouble. A couple of quick things, Bill, um, before we sign out of here, uh, Joe Manchin's a little upset right now because you know he he voted for that uh, uh, that bill last week, the one the Inflation Reduction Act, and yeah. he was they had to really bend his arm and they made a lot of promises to him and he he voted for it and now he's concerned because there are people in his party who are saying ah, we're not going to stand up to the things we promise you, Joe. They made some side deals with Joe <laughs> and Joe believed that they'd they'd stay by their word. Well, now they're saying nah. We're not going to stand by our word. So a Democrat got screwed by a Democrat. Yeah, you got that right. (laughs) And will he he learn? I don't know. Also, an American volunteer was killed in fighting in the Ukraine. Did you hear anything about that? I didn't hear anything. No, I didn't hear that. Well, I just did. You just said so. Yeah, 24 years old. And it looks like, based upon stuff that people are seeing on the uh, international news, it looks like the Russians are having a lot of victories in the Ukraine that we're not hearing about here in the United States. Uh, Yeah, I would believe that. You know... I don't care. See, again, you know, how stupid do we think Trump is? How stupid and, 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 uh, I don't know, weak do we think Russia is? You know, at some point in time, there's a point of diminishing returns, and I think that's the same with their lies. You know, you can only tell so many lies, and we start going, wait a minute. This is not making sense. Russia and China can't be as weak as we or our media likes to portray them, mm-hmm. and that, which puts us in dangerous, dangerous territory. If 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 you're, we believing. could go on and on, but uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time again. And uh, you've got things to do up there in Beantown. You know that's yeah, that's actually, well, you know, I yeah, yeah, but, yeah, up here in Beantown, I yep. you know got places to go and people to see. But I've also got my regular line of things to do. This is one of our main things that we do, and. There's one other thing that I do, and so I still. So what you're saying is you're still a busy man, even though you're up there cavorting. Yes, if cavorting hither and there. Yes, if you (laughs) say, "Hey, Bill, why don't you come down and see us?" I'll say, "Glad to," but just keep in mind about five hours out of the first. Uh, The morning is mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, stuff to do. You enjoy your time up there in Boston. With a little bit of luck, we'll do it again uh, tomorrow. If you get a chance, have some New England clam chowder. Have you had any new? Ever have New England clam chowder? 
I'm not a clam chowder oh, guy. Oh, but, but this is different. We're not talking about like the kind you get from uh, the can. This is New England clam chowder. Or maybe go out and have a, a lobster. A nice New lobster England baked be uh, bake yeah. stuff lobster. There are a lot of great places in Boston. Uh, I used to go to a place uh, called Jimmy's Harborside, which I think is no longer around anymore. And also this Anthony's. There used to be a lot of Anthony's Pier 4, Anthony's this, mm -hmm. Anthony's that. Uh, there are a lot of nice places in Boston, a lot of great restaurants. And those two that I just mentioned, they were from 40 years ago. So they're probably not not there any longer. But uh, how, how can that be, Jim? You're only 45. That's true. I went as a child. My parents took me there. I had, oh. to, ha I had to eat in the high chair, and I had a bib. It was amazing. And damn good memory, too. Thank you very much. Hey, friends, <laughs> have, a great, have a great day. Come back. Join us again tomorrow. By the way, our number, if you want to call and leave a message or make a point or make a suggestion, 833-583-6060, 833-583-6060. And you can also uh, write to us. We love to read letters, emails. You can Mail read. It. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Mail, you know, I'll tell you a little. I, I think I sent you a picture. If you didn't see it, uh -huh. it was a gear shift. And it said, what's wrong with this picture? Uh -huh. And it had first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and reverse. They were in Braille. Oh, really? Really? Well, that's great. Just the kind of driver you want. Well, oh, it was Stevie Wonder's car. I'm anyway. sure it was. Mail at itsanotherday.com. Hey, friends, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Bill. Adios.